0: Snippet, the short podcast platform. This is Check Your Privilege, the podcast. Let's welcome anti-racism guide, mental health activist, and founder of the Check Your Privilege movement, your host, Maisha T. Hill. Hey, friends. Welcome to Check Your Privilege, the podcast. I am your guide on this journey, Maisha T. and today I want to spend some time talking about the privilege of language. I believe everything in life is a teachable lesson, and learning about language has not always been my favorite subject. I remember not being able to put commas in the right places. Capitalization and periods were always hard for me, but I persisted. When it comes to oral language, though, I've always been an oral storyteller, and I've always had to find cheat codes to write English language, because English is not necessarily my first language. As the granddaughter of enslaved Africans and generations of assimilation, I am living and breathing the best I can. I am speaking and writing in ways that Help me feel nourished and supported. So I want to talk a little bit about the privilege of language. Recently, I had an instance on social media, and I'm sure you're hearing this and you're like, what? Social media? Yes. And recently I was writing in response to a painful event here in the United States regarding the Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And I went into a design software and I made a meme. I didn't spell check the meme, I just made it and I put it out in the world with a couple of other images. And what was interesting is someone came in the comment section and spelled words correctly. And, you know, I took a breath and responded, thanks for correcting my spelling. I appreciate your perspective. I'll make sure when my publishing company edits my book that everything is copy edited and on point. And I left it there. I didn't think there was nothing more to add. There was nothing to take away. It just was what it was. And so, interesting enough, the individual came back and said that that was their point. I should be on point because I'm an author and what I'm saying is being shared. And that maybe I want to prove my expertise and intellect, not The opposite. You know, we all know that social media isn't real life. But the privilege to use language and gatekeeping to call someone specifically a marginalized person of color into what they're doing wrong is inherently ableist, oppressive. And this shows me that the individual is in collusion with these interlocking systems of oppression. What was interesting enough is that my publisher came and posted that the author is an expert at storytelling, not copy editing, and they hoped that they could see how the individual could look at their comments as gatekeeping of the worst kind and something that Row House, my publishing company, is fighting against. If the individual understood my words enough to correct them, then I have done my job as a storyteller. I don't have anything to prove to anyone. That was the post in response to the individual who wanted me to prove my expertise and intellect. It's interesting because in another lifetime, in another world, I probably would have had a reaction, but I chose to not engage, to let people be. Because I knew, like with all stories and all experience in our lives, that story is sacred and that this could be a teachable lesson. And so I wanted to share some thoughts around language and the privilege of the English language. We in America connect our ability to think, speak, and write English properly with intellectualism and expertise. It's very ableist for us to assume that an individual is not intellectual based on how they write and speak. And it's really interesting because we've seen this in movies. We've seen it actually used in racialized groups right so the movie in particularly I'm speaking of is the movie Rush Hour with Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker and it's the part of the movie where Chris Tucker sees Jackie Chan and is speaking to him and then says are you understanding the words that are coming out of my mouth and many of us laughed at that when we first saw it because the reality is it's like ha 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 so funny so funny but that is oppressive and us to laugh with the assumption that People of Asian and Asian-American descent don't speak English and don't understand English. We have to start looking at movies more critically and seeing the ways that even movies uphold our collusion to these interlocking systems. However, within marginalized community, we saw Chris Brown speaking to Jackie Chan in a way that questioned his intellect. You see, language gives privilege and access to social political in educational institutions, or through the interlocking systems of domination. The power associated with English means that most of us from the global majority, and when I say global majority, I'm actually talking about black, brown, indigenous, Southeast Asian, Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islander, marginalized persons of color. So when you hear global majority, I'm naming folks who are not from the dominant culture, we have learned to use English for our own advancement and even survival. How about that? See, what a lot of folks don't understand from the dominant culture is that, you know, you are born into the world, you have access, you're socialized to speak English, to write English, to be perfect, to fit within these standards and constructs of success. And for folks who hold a marginalized identity from the global majority, we have to use it for our own advancement or survival. For example, oftentimes I code switch because I'm rewarded by a system by speaking eloquently and articulating myself. How about that? Black folks who code switch are often rewarded by the system to gain access to these same interlocking systems that we're working to break free and collude away from. And we use the dominant language to do that. How many times have you heard stories of folks who immigrate to America and and are treated as less than because they don't speak English. I know I gave the movie Rush Hour with that example of, again, Chris Brown saying to Jackie Chan, do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth, but how many times have we done that at the grocery store? How many times have you done that to a Lyft driver? How many times have you done that to a house cleaner? How many times have you assumed, because someone is an immigrant or someone is from a marginalized identity, because they don't think, speak, and talk like you, that they're inferior. That is something that we are all socialized to uphold. You know, in a lot of our Check Your Privilege workshops, we go through this worksheet called Aspects and Assumptions of White Culture in the United States. And one of those aspects and assumptions of dominant culture is the idea that King's English is key. That if you don't speak King's English and if you don't uphold English, you are inferior, that it places high value. It gives you a sense of social capital if you speak English. If you speak English as a first language, you have an advantage in society in the global world. In other words, it gives you a privilege. And in particular, language privilege includes, again, access to capital, the ability of having one's speech perceived as the expert, and easier access to the social, political, and educational institutions. Now, when we say English as capital, think about this, right? If you are someone that may have access to a passport and you want to leave the country, English speakers can get employment all around the world with one of the only qualifications being you must speak English and an additional qualification that some people can get bypassed that you have a college degree. Right, And you see this common practice in places such as Mexico, Turkey, Japan, South Korea, because they have established programs to ensure that English speakers right, do not need to acquire much or any other local language and are still able to be gainfully employed and live comfortably in their new country and secure advantages they've gained from their language privilege. Now, let me pause here for a second because... I am sure that many of you who hold a marginalized identity may live abroad and you're working and you're like, "Ooh, this doesn't feel good. Well, We also have to remember that in America, we live in a space that does not honor our autonomy. And I'm speaking specifically to folks from the global majority, not dominant culture. And so leaving a country to pursue what feels like freedom and liberation is a different experience and as we all know, you can still have a marginalized identity and still uphold privilege. And so it is my hope that even if you are overseas teaching English in the classroom, engage with students, that you're also connecting back to your roots and also teaching this, like how English is amazing. And yet it's not the only way. Some of us have been forced into assimilation because our relationship with wanting to speak English well and be the best, it's an addiction to standard English because that is the mainstream language. Standard English makes anything outside of the standard inferior. And remember, the standard was set by dominant culture. It was set by those who came to enforce imperialism and colonialism globally. Right. And so for many countries like in the Caribbean, you may Spanish is the primary language because Spanish was the language of the colonizers or Portuguese. Right here. It was in America. It's predominantly English. Now, prior to colonization, there were a multitude of languages spoken by our indigenous siblings. But for me as a black woman, my first language is not English. It is A-A-V-E or what they're calling now African-American vernacular English English. You know, back in my day growing up, there was a debate going around uh, should Ebonics, at the time, that's what it was called, should Ebonics be added as a language in the world language list? And of course, <laughs> Ebonics or AAVE was turned down. That's for another day. So I wanted to get a little geeky and share a couple of insights for those of you who don't know the difference between AAVE and Standard English. Using a past tense, right? So, past tense may be conveyed by the surrounding discourse with the help of adverbals such as last night, three years ago, back in the day, etc., with some conjunctions of the actions. Some past events are conveyed by placing been before the verb in AAVE. Speakers of standard English may mistake this for standard English present perfect with the half or has deleted. However, in AAVE, Sentence with been, in fact, is quite different from the standard English present perfect. So in present perfect, English, you would say, he has been married. In AAVE, someone would say, he been married. Standard English, someone may say, he has eaten his dinner. In AAVE, someone would say, he been ate dinner or he done ate his dinner, etc., Unfortunately, in the world we live in, there is no autonomy in allowing someone to speak their native tongue, specifically for folk who are black in America. We want that social capital. We need that educational experience. And so we cancel out our first language into forced assimilation. We allow folk of the dominant culture to gatekeep us to making sure that we speak a language that is not our own. In fact, many black Americans, we really don't know our first language. We don't know where our enslaved ancestors came from because truly English is not our first language. And AAVE is still not a part of the world language list. You know, in a nutshell, y'all, we expect someone to speak and write socialized English all the time. And we don't recognize and realize that it's rooted in our dominant culture expectations of forced assimilation. Individuals, whether from America, whether they've immigrated into America, whether they're black American, should have the full autonomy to show up, think and speak and write as we like without being gatekept or policed. This is another pandemic of sorts. We treat people as if they are machines and have No humanity. This is why you can speak to housekeepers and Lyft drivers and folk who've immigrated here as they're less than. And many folk over the years, including myself, have accepted it, have conformed, because it's the great way. It's the way to get where we need to get to. You know, in this work, we are all saying at this moment that our humanity is tied together, and if that were true, we need to recognize the humanity of those who don't write, think, or speak from the American English perspective. Expecting someone to speak and write like you is part of your own collusion with these interlocking systems of oppression. When you choose to break free and walk away from the systems, you will begin to see life outside of the lens of privilege. You will see this conversation as critical discourse, you will have a deeper understanding that we are more alike than different, but the expectation should not be we should all be alike. English, standard English, both written and oral, should not be used as a measuring stick or merit badge of success. We need to take the time to break away and rethink how dominant cultural expectations of English are placed onto others and how we are in fact colluding with the same belief around language. All right, y'all. That's all I got this week. Until I meet you again, keep living into your work. Peace.